0: Good morning everyone and welcome whether you're a regular attender at our church or just looking or listening in we are so glad that you can join with our worship online today. It was great to receive this week a little glimmer of hope that we may soon be able to meet together again in our church building and I really look forward to being able to meet you all again face to face and if you haven't been to McCracken before well I'd love the chance to meet with you too. We will be keeping you fully informed of when our regular church services start again in coming weeks. But meanwhile, we set aside this time in our homes or wherever else we may be to worship God, remembering that we do so not on our own, that Jesus is with us, Jesus is with you, and we are with one another in spirit. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Let us pray. Creator God, you have made all things out of nothing, out of emptiness and darkness, fashioned every form of life and birthed light for each new day. In this moment, the ways we have always done things seem inadequate and redundant. We know things have to be different, but our well-worn routines shackle our thinking. Our range of vision for alternatives is limited by our struggle to imagine other possibilities. Lord, help us in this twilight zone between what was and what is to come. Forgive us when we doubt you and when we give in to fear. Give us a sense of your presence, we pray, that is with us in the storm. Speaking to us above howling wind and tossing wave, calling us to take courage, not to fear. Inviting us to take those first faltering steps. In answer to your call, out of the familiar, to exercise fresh faith in you. Draw our eyes to Jesus and fix them there. Reach out your hand and catch us in those times when our faith shrinks and our doubts grow. Expand our thinking enlarge our courage. Enable wise choices. Extend your grace. Engage our hearts, our minds and our souls. And equip us for what lies ahead, for you are making all things new. And we want to be brought close and to be renewed as your people, after the image of Christ. In whose name we pray Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Our Bible reading today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, and we're reading chapter 10 and verses 24 to 39. Let us hear the word of God. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden That will not be made in the one. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven, but whoever disowns me before others I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. May God bless to us this reading of his word. Well on Thursday afternoon my ears pricked up to the announcement on the radio that churches will be given permission to open again for public worship from the 29th of June. Maybe yours did too. Maybe like me you've been really missing that actual coming together for worship on Sundays along with all the other regular normal church activities that we enjoy. I hope I'm not going to disappoint you too much by saying that this announcement may not mean that just now is the right moment for us in McCracken to open our church doors again. We want to prepare for that as best we can and to start back well. And even then, some will need to consider that move back to gather church very carefully. I'll certainly not be placing any expectations or pressure upon anyone to be returning to church immediately. And I recognise that that will be a hard decision for each of you to make. Some will be keen to get back, some will be anxious for good reasons. For others, maybe you'll be thinking, well, we've been doing okay these past few months, maybe better even than we thought. Do we really need those church doors to open again at all? Could we not just continue in our own little bubble where each of us on our own or with our own little circle seeks to live out what being a follower of Jesus means? After all, you can get all the worship and teaching you want now online. Why do we need church? With all its faults and all its shortcomings, Why do we need to go to all that extra trouble that's involved for a little while anyway? People to be on the door, Kirk sessions, committees, choir practices, all while navigating social distancing rules. It might be so much less messy, a whole lot less problematic, not having to come together and maybe a lot less risky too. Today, the words of our Bible reading, words of Jesus, Remind us that while there may be risk in gathering together as church, and while it may not be the time just yet for us to do that, church is vitally important for us as disciples, as followers of Jesus. These words were written in the first instance to a community of Christ followers for whom meeting together posed great risk. Of course, the dangers were of a very different nature than those posed by coronavirus. But their coming together, nevertheless, placed them in real danger. You remember last week in the first half of Matthew 10, we thought about how Jesus' disciples were first called apostles. They were sent by him into the world to do similar things to what Jesus was doing. They were to learn by doing by being like Christ and today as we read on we see how Matthew wants to remind the readers of his gospel of Jesus words that doing so would involve heightened risk because living the type of alternative kingdom oriented lifestyle that he was calling them to would bring them into diametrical opposition with the kingdom of this world religious and imperial powers it could even bring division within families as allegiances are stretched and tested. And that was the experience of this early church community of disciples who were, who were among the first readers of Matthew's Gospel. Their coming together made them stand out as different. A community where everyone was equal in the eyes of God, slave and free, Jew and Gentile, men and women, where people loved and cared for one another and refused to worship idols or to bow down to Caesar, but confessed Jesus as Lord and Messiah and Saviour. This radical living out of the gospel was making people around them nervous, suspicious, even angry. And some in this church had maybe lost their jobs because of their faith, others perhaps ostracised by their families and so you can see how this early church because of their radically alternative way of living started to draw attention in a dangerous threatening way simply through their meeting together. They had good reason to fear. Being a Christian in these times might well be a matter of life and death and the first church knew this. Jesus knew this Why then did they not simply abandon the idea of meeting together? Why could they not just continue to be a disciple of Jesus privately, secretly? Still going along to the synagogue, no need to actually mention anything about Jesus or to put yourself at risk by publicly associating worshipping with other Christians. Just be a follower of Jesus, but in private. And part of the answer to that, I think, is that when you make a choice to follow Jesus, to live in stark contrast to so much of that which is around you, when you're determined to live your life in a way that challenges the status quo, living intentionally as followers of Jesus sent into the world, then you best not be doing that all alone if we're going to live out the gospel message in any way that's even remotely authentic, then we need each other. Matthew reminds them and us of Jesus' words to expect opposition. That a student is not above his master. If they call Jesus' names, if they call him Beelzebub, the prince of demons, then what names might they call you? Don't be afraid of them, Jesus says, because there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, nothing hidden that will not be made known. Fear can be can be such a powerful, motivating force, can't it? From the moment that we're born, we learn to fear certain things in the world around us, sometimes for our own good, other times with no rational basis. And fear can be used to manipulate. It's a driving force behind large parts of our economy. It's a tool that's often used by political leaders to ensure conformity to the structures of this world. And Jesus recognises that that fear can cause the failure of discipleship. So he's very realistic about the fears that his disciples will face. as following him boots them on collision course with the powers of this world. Following him, he says, does not mean hiding your light under a bushel. He urges them rather, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops, don't be afraid, don't be embarrassed of this gospel, shout it out, tell the world, God loves you. Some of us, I think, are naturally more reserved than others. I can tell you that making videos on YouTube is not something that comes naturally to me or something that I ever envisaged myself doing until very recently. And yet look at how our circumstances have pushed us into this new reality of millions of Christians proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ across the internet, a 21st century way surely of proclaiming the everlasting reality of God's kingdom from the rooftops. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Don't be afraid to identify with me and to live out in public my Father's kingdom because everything, everything that has been covered up will be disclosed. Everything that's been hidden and kept in private will be uncovered. The veil will be pulled back for all to see that ultimate reality our future, God's kingdom of righteousness breaking in. One day every knee shall bow before Christ and his reign of justice and peace will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And yet some of us even struggle to talk with our own family about Jesus, who's supposed to matter to us more than anything in all the world. Some of us struggle at work or out with the boys to call out the most blatant wrongs and injustices and corruptions when they're right in front of our nose. Why? Because of fear. Fear can cripple your discipleship of Jesus. Whoever acknowledges me before men, Jesus said, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of rulers and powers. Don't give in to peer pressure. Because God's power is all-surpassing. If you're going to fear anyone, fear him. But this powerful God whom we've come to know through Jesus is so completely different from any human manifestation of power that we see in the world. This all-powerful God, Jesus says, knows and cares for even the tiniest of sparrows, which at that time were sold two for a penny. Sometimes as food for those in low income, sometimes as pets. Take a moment to watch the, the little birds outside your window. Not one of them, we're told, falls to the ground without the Father knowing. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. And he loves you. And he cares for you more than you could imagine. Your worth is so much more to him than many, many sparrows. He who did not withhold even his own son, but give him up for us all, will he not also with him freely give us all things? How reassuring it is, even in the threat of violence and death, that the one who holds ultimate power over our whole being exercises that power with mercy and love. So don't let fear hold you back, fellow disciple, from doing and being all that God calls you to. There are a number of difficult signs in this passage, including the words of Jesus, do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. We've got to remember that this is the same Jesus who later in this Gospel rebuked one of his companions for drawing his sword and said all who draw the sword will die by the sword. The Jesus, the, the Prince of Peace, who said blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. But Jesus acknowledges here that even being a peacemaker as he himself demonstrated, can provoke the response of violence and opposition in this world. As he died on a cross, just as authentically following him might very well cut across even the closest of ties and allegiances. And these things that Jesus is talking about are perhaps the worst case scenarios, but Jesus names them because he doesn't want us to be under any illusions that following him will somehow lead us to a risk-free existence, as if a servant can somehow be above his teacher. We need each other as church to live out this summons to follow, but it's much more than just needing one another for support and encouragement and friendship. In the Apostles' Creed we affirm, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. An interesting choice, of adjectives to describe what the church is holy and catholic. Holy perhaps raises all kinds of negative connotations in our minds that might make it difficult for many to walk through the doors of a church building, especially if it's been a while since you've been there. But the true meaning of of, of that word holy is simply different, set apart for God. We, the church, are called to be different, to be holy. Mm to live in community in a way that the world can see just how different we are and maybe even catch an occasional glimpse of the kingdom of God and the gospel lived out. And the church is also supposed to be Catholic, Catholic in the sense of being universal. That's a reminder to us that our own denomination is just one tiny little local culturally contextualised expression of the church of Jesus Christ globally. One expression out of an estimated 33,000 Christian denominations. Think about that. And our passage today brings us back to that one very early expression of church. And the simple call of Jesus to discipleship. That remains the same for us in any generation, in any place. And about the challenges to follow, of following him. If you want to be his follower, you've got a choice to make. And as that choice becomes more and more alien to the world around you, the fact is you're going to need a community of people walking alongside you, a community that understands the challenges of living in an alternative way to the rest of the world. You are going to need church. I believe in church. you. Amen. Let us now bring before God our prayers for one another and our prayers for our world. Let us pray. Lord on this Father's Day we thank you for fathers who are with us and those no longer with us, for the impact that they have on shaping our lives, Equip fathers, we pray, to show something of your fatherly love in their families and to show their children what it means to honour and fear you in their lives. Help them to give time to their children to share responsibility, to lovingly give parental guidance and direction. And Lord, we pray for churches at this time, churches, congregations whose gates and doors may be shut for now but whose witness continues through members contributing to their local communities and through their online presence. Lord make your love shown in us and your ways known in the lives of many who have no church connection. We pray for the leadership and in congregations including in our own as they carefully consider what activities might resume as lockdown restrictions gradually ease. We ask Lord that you might give wisdom in a moment which requires careful judgment. At the same time we pray for increasing clarity from government and statutory bodies in the communication of good and good practice in bringing groups of people together. We pray that this might shed ever clearer light on possibilities and responsibilities as congregations consider the implications of gathering once again. We continue to remember our global mission partners and especially today we pray for the people of Malawi as they rerun presidential elections tomorrow. Lord we pray that the election process might be conducted fairly and peacefully with people being disciplined and social distancing so as to minimise the spread of COVID-19. Continue to bless your church there in its witness. We remember the David Gordon Memorial Hospital which we support in McCracken through our outreach givings. And we pray Lord that you would continue to provide for them the resources that they need to offer help to all who come their way. We pray for those who are particularly vulnerable in this season of turmoil, including the frail, the elderly, the isolated, the homeless and poor, asking Lord that you would protect them and bring comfort and strength. We remember those two who are shielding because they are particularly vulnerable to infection from coronavirus, maybe due to underlying health conditions. Lord, give them perseverance as they endure ongoing lockdown restrictions and peace of heart in a still anxious moment. We remember those who are in hospital, young and old, those recovering from surgery and those waiting for procedures, those managing long-term ailments and illnesses which limit their way of life, and those suffering from depression, anxiety or other forms of mental illness. Lord, come close to them, we pray. Touch them with your healing hand. Give them your special grace and strength. Give strength as well to those who are grieving at this time, grieving the recent loss of a loved one, or those maybe for whom the increased isolation at this time brings back those feelings of loss. We continue to remember two young families who've been juggling the demands of work with childcare and homeschooling, We pray, Lord, that you would bless them over the summer period with an opportunity for rest and fun time with one another. Help them going forward to have the provisions in place for work and school life to continue. We pray for furloughed workers as they experience both the the opportunity to rest from their labours but also the frustration of being unable to pursue their God-given calling. We ask also for renewal, and reassurance of of your perfect timing. Lord, hear our prayers. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day, and forevermore. Amen.